If you want to turn to Psalm 46, it's going to read a few verses. We're not going to be that long this morning, um, but we begin at verse 1. It says this, God is our refuge and strength, all, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's army is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the, the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Gary Desmond, a director of a multi-million pound a year architectural firm, believed that interruptions was the biggest enemy of creativity. So, to minimize the inevitable interruptions in this firm's sort of large open plan office space, he came up with the idea of a quiet hour. Every morning between 10 a.m. and 11 a.m., no one could communicate with anyone else inside or out of the office. It meant that the people could sit at their desks and for that hour and be totally focused on their clients' designs. To begin with, the 25 employees did not like the concept and management had to explain to them that it was not a reaction to bad work habits. It was simply to give them an opportunity just to concentrate even more. However, the clients, they were very impressed because of just how much was accomplished during that morning work. In fact, Quiet Hour worked so well that they started to think about a second one in the afternoon. It gave everyone the thing that businesses badly need, a little time to think. Now, some companies may have learned this value of, of being still, but actually God did it first. The, the one who made us also instructed us to be still in his presence. Not for the sake of improving productivity, but for spiritual strength. Not, not for the sake of just some sort of financial gain, but for godly gain and and. and the first thing that happens when we spend time in God's presence is that we know that God is God. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. And there is an untold blessing in being still in the presence of God. Warren Wisby makes the observation, he says, the ability to calm your soul to wait before God is one of the most difficult things in the Christian life. Our old nature is restless, and, and the world around us is frantically in a hurry, but a restless heart usually leads to a reckless life. Be still 
is a command from God. Now, there are many things that God has commanded to us to take to heart, and, and of course, rightly so. So, for example, the, the instructions to love God first and to love our neighbors secondly, most of us would seek to obey that. But this command to be still is, is so often overlooked. I grew up with this wonderful habit of a, a daily quiet time. I wonder what comes to your mind when I mention that little phrase. It, is it just was reading a passage from the Bible, maybe with the help of some Bible reading notes, probably some prayer, maybe a quick amen, and then it's done, and then we can get on with the rest of our lives. But, but do we stop to actually listen to what God is saying? can become just a really, uh, just a whirlwind of doing, maybe even just a token gesture towards God, but it, it, it can be anything but, but actually stillness in His presence. Now, I do believe that Bible study and prayer are essential if we are to spend time in the presence of God, but, but stillness or, or waiting patiently before God is, is one ingredient that, that we can so easily just squeeze out, which can mean that we can I guess, end up going through the motions of time with God. In Psalm 25, verse 5, the psalmist writes, Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. And being still is not about disengaging your mind, but actually engaging your thoughts on God. It's, it's not sort of inactivity, but actually thinking on God and waiting until God speaks. And listen, it takes time to be still. Paul White Cho, who was the pastor of the largest church in South Korea in his book, Prayer, Key to Revival, he wrote that it, it took him up to 30 minutes to still his heart before God. It, it doesn't come easy. It, it, it also requires quietness and freedom from distraction. Even Jesus knew how important this was. He, he often went away to be alone with his, with his heavenly Father. Sometimes it was after a busy day of preaching and, and healings. At other times, it was before he made a major decision. And in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, gives us an example how Jesus went up to the mountainside to pray, and, and he spent that whole night just um, praying to God. The next day, he chose his 12 disciples. It's a story about how one evening a speaker was over visiting in America, and he wanted to make a telephone call. Now, this was before mobile phones. Young folks, listen, there used to be these strange boxes on the street you had to go into and actually pick up a phone. Um, I know it's amazing, isn't it? But, so he, anyway, he, entered this, he entered this phone box, and, and he found it to be different to the British ones, and he, he, it was beginning to get dark, so he was having difficulty finding the number in the directory. But he noticed there's a light in the ceiling, but he just didn't know how to put it on. As he tried to find that number in that fading light, a passerby noticed his difficulty and said to him, Sir, if you want to turn the light on, you're going to have to shut the door. And to the visitor's amazement and satisfaction, he closed the door. The booth was filled, filled with light. He found the number and he was able to complete his call. Just in a similar way, when we go to the quiet place to pray, we must block out the busy world and open our heart to the Father. 
Only then will our darkened world of disappointment and trial be illuminated as we enter into conversation with God, and, and, and we will find stillness in His presence. You see, our goal is to discover God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's much talk these days, of course, about meditation and mindfulness, but biblical meditation is, is more than just being still. Just, just, you can spend time in silence. You can even have your Bibles open, but actually never meet with God. See, it's not the length of time that you spend that matters, but it's the glimpse you have of God that actually changes your daily perspective. And the writer to this psalm tells us tells us something of his discovery of, of God's greatness. And there, there are three things that we discover about God in this psalm. The first two, I think you'll like. The third, you may not. The first, God is our help. This is a personal promise to the people of God. The, the psalmist knows this to be true. That this, this psalm was most likely written during the siege of Jerusalem. You can read about it in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 13 through to 19, verse 35. And, and this city was rescued miraculously, actually, when 185,000 of the Assyrians were put to death by an angel of the Lord. And God was their help, and in a time of really insurmountable trouble. And as we spend time in God's presence, in the stillness, we, we get to know the truth of this promise. We know this to be personal. He is our God. He is my refuge. This is for now. This is a very present help. He is my help in this moment. So when the bottom falls out of my world, he is here. When, when, when my dreams drowned and my, my world comes just crashing in, he is my personal presence. In the silence, in my time with God, I learn the glorious truth. Even if I watch this whole earth dissolve around me, I see God unchanged. Secondly, God is our life. The psalm says that, that Jerusalem is being refreshed and, and given life from a river. However, th there's no direct river that actually runs through Jerusalem. But, but God provides more for his holy city than any, river, than any river ever could. He provides life. The river that flows into the time that we spend in God's presence is the Holy Spirit refreshing and, and nourishing and satisfying. And when the Holy Spirit turns up in the stillness, sometimes we dare not speak. Sometimes he causes an audible outpouring from our hearts, and it, it, it may not be what we expect, but he will bring life. That is life-changing. He is, he's the life-giver. How we need him to flow through us. And then thirdly, God is sovereign. If you were to talk to the average person in the street and we get an opportunity later on, they believe in God. 
but maybe in a helpless God that has got no control over the bad things that happen in this world. They, they may even pray, they may even believe that God can be a comfort to people in disaster, but that he is somehow powerless to do anything about it. However, that is not the God of the Bible. Verse 8 says, come and see the works of the Lord. Now, we all like the idea of God as our help and our protection, but also as our life and our joy. But, but here we see that he also brings desolation and disaster, verse 8. If you want to see the works of the Lord, read the newspapers, listen to the news. Listen, I believe that God is in control, yet I do struggle to get my head around some of the things that happen. And I'm sure that you also ask the questions time and again, why did God do that? Why did he, why did he allow that? And as we spend time in his presence, in the stillness, the only answer that you will receive from God is God saying, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And listen, God's goal is for his sovereignty, for his glory, and his glory alone. He is all-powerful. He is above all others. He is worthy of all praise. You see, if this world and its people are beyond God's control, then he is no longer our protector. We are just simply victims of, of fate. In the stillness, the sovereignty of God becomes, it becomes a rich blessing. As you know, God to be God and his grace to be sufficient. And then finally... Being still means wrestling. Twice in the psalm we read of God being Jacob's God, verse 7, verse 11. And these verses remind us that, that God is with us. But it also, it also brings to mind the time in which, in which Jacob wrestled with God in Genesis 32, verse 22 to 32. I hope you, you know the story. Reminds us of God's presence. But you need to be like Jacob and to wrestle, to be in his presence. You need to fight to maintain the stillness. When, when God came to Jacob in the stillness, he didn't let go because he knew this was God. And God showed, him, and God showed himself to be all-powerful. And learning that God is almighty and sovereign takes wrestling time. You've got to work at it. You've got to hold on to him. And, and Jacob held on until he knew God's blessing. And how often do we rush away from God too quickly and just remain, rather than just remaining still in his presence, pleading for his blessing, make it your goal to wrestle, to know his presence daily. For Jacob... His life was changed. His hip was, was knocked out of joint, which meant that even from a distance, you would see Jacob walking toward you because of his limp. Everybody knew that this man had met with God. When you spend time in God's presence, in the stillness, when he 
touches your life, what is the effect? Surely others will see. Surely others will look and see a holy life, a, a spirit-filled life. You, you cannot meet the Spirit of God and just not be changed. It said that, that Murray McShane, one of the great preachers of days gone by, said that even before he spoke, you saw God. There are some things that are worth fighting for, and it's worth fighting to be still in the presence of God. But being still in His presence on a daily basis is actually really up to you. You must fight to make the time. And if you do, it will radically transform your life and those around you. It will affect the way in which you speak to people. He will change you. We're going to go out on the streets in a moment. An opportunity just to talk to people, perhaps to want to give out some hot chocolate just to bless our city. I want to encourage maybe some of you as well. Maybe you'd like to walk and pray around this city, maybe in, in pairs, whatever you're comfortable with. But, but just even in those times, take, take moments of quietness to hear what is God saying. God speaks if we listen. One of the values of Freedom Church is to be generous and, to, and really to, to develop just a love for our city. And we, we want to we make good friendships. We want to show hospitality. We, wanna, we want those relationships to develop. But also as we do that, we can both demonstrate and speak about Jesus. And there's no pressure here, by the way. Just want to simply encourage you to love people well. That's what it's about love people well. That's why we go out there. We want to let people know that we care as a church, but that Jesus cares for them. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. We thank you that you're a God who is interested in every aspect of our lives. And Lord, we pray, come Holy Spirit, may we fight for time in your presence this week. May we seek you and you alone. May our hearts begin to burn with a deeper passion for the things of God, for a deeper love for you first and for our neighbors as well. In Jesus' name. Amen.